It's good to be back. Some of you didn't even know I left. But it's good to be back. Uh, Pastor Aaron did a great job while I was gone. (laughs) You don't know how difficult it was to persuade him he could do this. But he did a good job. And appreciate it, Aaron. But this morning we're in Deuteronomy chapter 30. Uh, We will be looking at Moses again as he endeavors to challenge Israel to be obedient to God. To be obedient to the higher call that we have through our Lord. And Moses, he is keenly aware of who he is talking to. Uh, He knows the people of Israel quite well. He knows that they have been, in the past, a rebellious people. And he understands what's in front of them. Have you ever been to a high school graduation or perhaps a college graduation ceremony? Quite possibly the most boring thing known to man. But inevitably, some person of importance will stand up, some guest speaker, and they will try to tell the graduates how they have the capacity to change their world. Several years back, Lori and I went to... uh, Tacoma, Washington, to her niece's graduation. The guest speaker was a Harvard grad. And for a half hour going on all day, (laughs) out in the hot sun, we listened to this woman tell us about her academic accomplishments at Harvard. Can you say, shoot me now, get it over with? Put me out of my misery. I don't think there was anybody there, and there were hundreds there, that cared about her exploits in academia, except her. I leaned over. I was sitting next to the father of the graduate, and I said, I'm impressed with her. How about you? (laughs) And he sort of gave me a wry smile like, yeah, we're enduring this. (laughs) But Moses, who wrote the first five books of the Bible, is faced with challenging Israel to be obedient to God. They know to be obedient, but they need to be stirred to obedience. Moses must warn the people. God requires this of Moses. Even though the people have heard this message time and again from Moses, uh, it's still his responsibility, still his duty to warn the people. And unfortunately, I think that's the responsibility of many pastors of today. We're to encourage, we're to chastise, We're to warn anyone who will listen to us, pay attention to God's word, for in his word there's life. And that's our message. So I say to, you know, this morning, be righteous, be obedient to God. Your reward is eternal life. But Moses, he has led the children of Israel 40 years 
and he's led them out in the wilderness, and his tenure is about over. Moses must encourage Israel, yet he himself has been forbidden by God to go into the promised land. And so Moses, he has to tell the people what to do, and he can't use terms like we. He has to use words like you, as you go into the land of promise. Be vigilant, be obedient, because Moses has been disqualified. He's been disqualified from going into the promised land for what he's warning the people about, obedience. Moses was disobedient to God, and God says, you can't go into my promised land now, Moses. And as we mature and grow older, well, some of us, we want those that we love, our children, our grandchildren, etc., to avoid the pitfalls, the mistakes of life that we have committed. Many parents will declare that they want a better life for their children. And that's that's goes without saying. But Moses, he is declaring righteous conduct is a re- great reward for you people. Being obedient will bring about blessings as you enter the promised land. And he says it's a land that flows with milk and honey. And that's just a poetic way of saying a land of abundance. So let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 11 through 20. For this commandment which I command you today is not too mysterious for you, nor is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, Who will ascend into heaven for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and so do it? Nor is it beyond the sea that we should say, Who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart that you may do it. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. In that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and keep his commandments, his statutes, his judgments, that you may live and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. But if your heart turns away so that you do not fear, hear and are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go in and possess. And I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, that you may cling to him, for he is your life and length of your days, and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, swore to give them this land. Moses begins again with another warning, another word of exhortation to the children of Israel. And he says, I'm declaring to you no great mystery. This is not some mysterious thing that I'm telling you. My words are not high and lofty words. 
from heaven, nor that God commands came from a far and distant country. But he says the word of God is very near to you. What a blessing it is that we today have the scriptures and we have the word of God very near to us. And as we read it and assimilate it, it becomes part of us. God's word, Moses tells the people, is coming forth from your mouth and you find yourself speaking forth God's word. And there's wisdom embedded in that. There's wisdom in your hearts because the word of God is coming out of your life. And what a wonderful thing for the people to hear from Moses, their leader, that you're living out God's word. The children of Israel are putting into practice God's statutes and commands. Many of you realize that Calvary Chapel was founded by Chuck Smith, and he died, oh, three, four years ago. But we would go out to the annual pastor's conference in Southern California, and Chuck would declare to us God's word and its principle to us, you know, a big room full of pastors. And he would often say, take these biblical principles the ones that I have proclaimed to you, assimilate them, put them into practice, and they will become part of you. And it brought joy to Chuck, uh, to Chuck's heart for us pastors to receive and act upon the Word of God. One of my great joys as being a pastor is to see you people live out God's Word. That is a great blessing to, for me to witness, to witness your love for one another. And I think we have a very loving little body here. I really do. You can fool me, but I think that. And to see your obedience to God's word and whether we realize it or not, we find ourselves living out God's word. And we find ourselves living out verses 15 and 16. We're willfully choosing life and good over death and evil. Loving the Lord our God and walking in his commands and statutes, we receive the promises of God where he says, I'll multiply you. God's promise is to bless us. And to live and possess a land where God's favor rests upon it. Sometimes we take for granted how great it is to live in the United States. I'm truly blessed to be an American. To live in a land where God's favor has rested upon us. There isn't any other place I would rather live. And I'm including northern Alabama area. And now I know I'm in Tennessee, but I'm right on the border. So, hey, I'm all right. But it's great to live here. I enjoy living here. But Israel, Israel is a small little country about the size of New Jersey. If you ever get a map, look at New Jersey. And it's about the, Israel is about the size of New Jersey. 
And God is preparing Israel to go in and possess this land. And Israel needs to appreciate the land that they're about to go in and take. And God is preparing them for that. Israel has endured the desert 40 years, uh, learning obedience to God is, you know, that's smart. We should be obedient. They've also learned to trust in God, to be men and women of faith. But now Israel is there on the border of the promised land. They're about to cross the Jordan River and go into the land of plenty. Israel about to live out their dream of settling into their own country, their own promises of God. Now, I definitely consider North Alabama a hidden gem as a place to live. You tell people you live in Alabama, they go, oh, Alabama? I say, yep, live in Alabama. (laughs) But Hank Williams Jr., he wrote a song about being one of the chosen few to be born in Alabama. I was. (laughs) I concur with Hank. Being born in Alabama is a great privilege, but it's not near as smart as choosing to live here, choosing to be where you are. When I was a child, our family was uprooted from the beautiful hills and countryside of Alabama. Eventually, we ended up in Southern California. But this, you know, it never changed my longing, my desire to come back to the country. And in my late 30s, God allowed me to move to Northern California, and God continued his work in my heart and in my life. And I found myself attending a small Calvary Chapel in Modesto, California. God showing me grace and favor, allowing me to return to the country. We lived out in the country along the Stanislaus River, and it was beautiful. But God was giving me my desires to live out in the country. All the while, he's preparing me and pruning me for what he had for me. Within a few short years of moving out in the country in Northern California, Lori and I moved here, the land of my youth. (laughs) And today we live on a little farm, and most of you have been out there, with its pastures, its streams, and its ponds, and we got a few cows, and it's our own little promised land. And then I'm blessed to be able to serve God here at Calvary Chapel. It is a blessing. We appreciate God's goodness and blessings. So at Thanksgiving time, it's no big chore for me to find something to be grateful and thankful for. I'm grateful for my life as it is today. But I have learned that God's blessing hinge upon our obedience to him. Therefore, verse 18 is real to us. Choosing God's blessings 
not wanting to perish from disobedience. Our God is a gracious God, and and I think we all have that testimony in our hearts. We have experienced his love towards us, but we understand God requires our allegiance to be our God. You can't accept God on your terms. You have to accept God on his terms. And he's a jealous God, and he requires obedience and allegiance to him. He always has. He always will. And let me draw your attention, though, to verse 19. God calls heaven and earth and all the host of heaven as a witness to the choices that are before Israel. Witness today, Israel, the decision that God sets before you. In verse 19, I have set before you life and death, blessings and cursings. And then there's a conclusion, a consequently, a verily, verily, whatever you want to choose to say there. God says, choose life. He says this through Moses. Choose life today that you and your descendants may live. God has given the nation of Israel a promise. And he's given each individual the same promise. Obedience leads to life. Obey me. Enjoy the blessings of life. Now, let's bring that forward to today. America today, I think, is, um, is distressful to a lot of us. I look around me. I see my country. I see my country becoming more and more secular, more and more, if you will, sinful. And it bothers me. Many of us are grieved, discouraged at the elected leadership in our country. And the direction our country is headed. We have elected leaders that we have elected with no moral character whatsoever. Morality in America, righteousness, it's considered archaic, out of step, old-fashioned. So what do we do? Well, we still can vote, so vote morally, vote righteously. And as a single solitary believer, let me encourage you to be obedient to the calling of God on your life. And God has called each and every one of us to a special service unto him. I can't tell you what that is. That is for you to determine what God has called you to. And obedience brings blessings. God promises it. If you obey me, I will bless you. But let me speak, if I can, of a higher goal than blessings. Don't look at what you can get from God, but let me just challenge you to live a life of service unto God. For nothing can compare to the satisfaction and happiness of being that good and faithful servant unto God. That's the ultimate. Therein lies happiness.
I desire to live a life full of obedience that pleases my God. Versus, and I'm not saying this in a bad way because I, I truly desire God's blessings, but I don't want to be obedient to receive. I want to be obedient because it's the right thing to do. Peter, uh, in one of his last encounters with Jesus, uh, before the Lord ascended back into heaven, Peter is told by Jesus, simply do what I've called you to do, Peter. <laughs> so turn with me to John 21. We'll look at a passage there. And we hear Jesus after his resurrection. He's restoring Peter. And remember, Peter has denied Jesus three times in the courtyard of the high priest. And so Peter has suffered that separation that sin brings. But uh, let's look at John 21, verse 15 through 17. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. And he said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Now, we know that uh, the word for love there is uh, two different words. And basically, Jesus, Jesus is reducing to Peter down to, do you like me, Peter? But Peter, don't miss this. We can get so caught up into that love thing that we can miss the commands to Peter. Feed my lambs, Peter. Tend my sheep, Peter. Feed my sheep, Peter. And Jesus is speaking of his flock, his people. Take care of my flock, Peter. And it appears that Peter is grateful to be back in the fold, back among his fellow disciples. And now we hear Jesus describing Peter's course, Peter's destiny for the rest of his life. Jesus now will take Peter forward. So verses 18 and 19. Most assuredly, I say to you, and he's speaking to Peter, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wish. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. Then he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Jesus has just told Peter his life will play out in this manner. And Peter, you're going to glorify me in the way you die. That's good to hear in a way. Peter, but being Peter, he says, Lord, I thank you for my restoration. And these, then, you know, as Jesus 
I want to glorify you in my death. But Peter doesn't say that. He has a response. He has a reply. And we get that in verse 20 through 22. Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, who was also the one who leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? And this is, of course, John. And Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, But Lord, what about this man? <laughs> Jesus said to him, If I will that he remains till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Peter sees John, and obviously Peter is overly concerned about John, or you can even say Peter is jealous of John. And we hear the restored Peter saying, but Lord, what about this man? And Peter's indicating John. Peter doesn't say, thanks, Lord, for forgiving my three-time denial. I appreciate that. You give me a second chance. Peter's not thanking God for his grace and mercy. Peter is given a second opportunity, and what is Peter's concern? How about John? What about him, Lord? This gives us insight to the apostles, and one of the constant ongoing uh, disagreements, argument among the disciples, among the disciples was who will be the greatest in God's kingdom? And it comes out right here from Peter. Peter cannot let that argument rest. Peter totally overlooks God's grace to him. And he's overly concerned about John. Jesus in his grace does not rebuke Peter. He doesn't chastise Peter. He doesn't reprimand Peter in front of the other disciples. Jesus simply asked Peter a question. Just one little question. If I will that he, speaking of John, remains till I come, what is that to do with you, Peter? And then he says, Peter, you follow me. And there you have it, folks. The great challenge to every believer alive. The ultimate challenge to each and every one of us. You, Don, follow me. You, fellowship, follow me. There it is. No excuses. No pointing to the Johns. No pointing to the others. We are to follow Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer. Only Jesus can ask us a question that will cause us to ponder. Don't you know that Peter pondered that question? What is it to you, Peter? You follow me. Let's rededicate our lives to the Lord here. Father God, I thank you for your grace and mercy. 
in my own life. Lord, you've forgiven me so many times of so many sins. You've forgiven me of shortcomings. You've forgiven me of arrogance. You've forgiven me of pride. You've forgiven me, Lord, of being so self-centered. And Lord, I do want to follow you. And Lord, I want to have a heart that would say, if all others forsake you, I will follow you. Not that we want to see others forsake you, but we want to be dedicated to you, Lord, with our whole heart. We want to follow after you. We want to live out your calling upon our lives to simply follow you. So help us, Lord. And here we are, Lord, in the, in the season of Thanksgiving. We are totally grateful for your goodness to us, grateful for the life of, of luxury that we live, Lord. But, Lord, mostly we're grateful that we have a relationship with you, the living God. And we do want to dedicate ourselves to you. We do want to follow you. And uh, that's what you require of us, just to simply follow you. So let us be determined. Let us be dedicated to you, Lord, in all that we do. And we ask that you just give us the grace and mercy to follow close after you. We pray for this and we ask for this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.